following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. And beginning in verse 6, 1 Peter 1, and beginning in verse 6. <clears throat> Glad to see Carol back. She's been sick. She hasn't been honest, though. I think she's been sick of me, but uh, wouldn't say. And I wouldn't say for sure. <laughs> First Peter 1, uh, let's look in verse 6. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, and the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory, at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, and whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Again, the trial of your faith. Let's pray. Father in heaven, again, as we consider the subject tonight, and Father, Lord, even uh, to go beyond it, I pray, Lord, that uh, you'd help me to teach and preach thy word. Father, help us to uh, to see and understand what's going on as, as you're dealing with us, as you're allowing trials and difficulties, temptations even to come into our life, that there's some good that will come from it. And I pray, Lord, that uh, we would see these things and rejoice in what you're doing. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, the trial of our faith. And we've been talking about this now for some time. We've talked about the heaviness that comes uh, because of manifold temptations or trials we may be facing. We've talked about the value of our faith is to be found and increased by fiery trials. We've talked about the praise and honor and glory of our faith will be realized at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And we've talked about the love that we can have, uh, one, uh, the love we can have for one we have not seen, but with the eyes of faith. We talked last time about the joy we can have because of our faith in the one, in one we have not seen. And then tonight we want to talk about the present goal of our faith is the salvation of our souls. In verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Now, here in the midst of uh, these manifold temptations and trials was the present blessing of knowing they had already received the goal of their faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the salvation of their souls. They were saved by the grace of God. And immediately when we trust our Lord Jesus Christ, we are saved by the grace of God. If you look with me to Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, <clears throat> it's a present tense um, a gift, if you will, in Ephesians 1 and 12, that we should be to the praise of, the, of his glory who have first trusted in Christ, and whom he also trusted. After that, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance and the redemption, the purchase, possession, the praise of his glory. Folks, the moment we're saved, we receive Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit. We're saved by the grace of God at that moment. Salvation is not something we look forward to. It is something that we have as a present, if you will, a present possession. The salvation of their souls, that is the redemption of, of man from the bondage of sin and liability to eternal death and the conferring on him uh, everlasting happiness and eternal life through the righteousness of Christ. If you look with me to Romans 10, Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. 
The Bible says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now Paul is saying, my, my people, the Jews, are not saved. He says in chapter uh, 9 and verse 1, he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that, uh, that I have a conti- great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. You know, folks, they weren't saved. He was burdened with it. And he was saved, and uh, he said they had the zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They're ignorant of God's righteousness, and God's righteousness is manifest in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Christ, if you will, uh, became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The end of the law, the goal of the moral and ceremonial law among the Jews was not so that they could work their way into being righteous and go to heaven. God did not establish the pure religion of the Jews as a work salvation, but rather, uh, uh, if you will, a system of uh, sacrifices and offerings that pointed uh, those that observed those sacrifices and offerings to the Christ who would come and fulfill them all when he went to the cross of Calvary. And so it is that Paul was burdened over them. He says here, for Christ is the end of the law, the the goal of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. You know, there is, if you will, a present salvation, a present goal of the salvation of our souls. If you look with me to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. Here Jesus said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth shall pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass in the law, till all be fulfilled. And you know, the law of God encompassed really the entire Old Testament as it was. It, does, it did at times speak of the first five books of the Bible and different portions of it. But really, when we consider the law of God, we, we consider Genesis to Malachi as the law of God, and God says not one jot or tittle will pass from the law till all be fulfilled, and Christ came to fulfill the law. Whosoever therefore shall break one of, uh, one of these least commandments and shall teach men, so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. What is their righteousness? Now, the Bible says that there is none righteous, not at one. And yet, the scribes and the Pharisees imagined that by keeping the law, by offering faithfully the sacrifices, keeping the Sabbaths and so forth and so on, that certainly they would become righteous enough to be accepted of God and go to heaven uh, one day. And yet... Uh, Christ says, except your righteousness, exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. You know what, folks? What's greater than human self-righteousness? The righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of Christ. Look with me to Luke 18. That's why this parable is important in this respect. In Luke 18, 
And verse 9, he spake this parable unto certain which trusted themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And you know, it's amazing sometimes that um, even Christians, if they're not careful, can behave no better than the scribes and Pharisees and begin to despise people because of what they're not. And what are we without the grace of God? We're nothing. We're sinners in need of a Savior without the grace of God. Folks, what are we even to save people without the grace and mercy of God? Nothing. We need to be careful. You know what, folks? We need to be careful uh, that we do justly and love mercy and walk humbly with our God and with those who name the name of our God. He says here, two men went into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this public, and I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. He's telling everyone, including God, about his righteousness. And yet, what does the Lord say? And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You know what a humbling thing to have to admit to ourselves and agree with God that we're not righteous. As a matter of fact, we're just the opposite. We are unrighteous, ungodly sinners in need of a Savior. And but, but for the time in our life when we humble ourselves before a holy God and cry out and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, no one would go to heaven. And folks, the righteousness we receive at that moment is the righteousness of Christ, is a present tense possession. God, take, Christ took our sin in salvation. We take his righteousness, and his righteousness makes us acceptable to God. We receive that by grace through faith in him, not of works. In Psalm 24, look with me there, and verse 5, Psalm 24, <clears throat> and verse 5. <clears throat> here the bible says he shall receive the blessing from the lord and righteousness from the god of his salvation folks we receive the righteousness that saves us by god's grace as a gift amen not of anything that we have done in psalm 40 and verses 9 and 10 psalm 40 and verses 9 and 10 we are saved by his righteousness, not by our own. He says in Psalm 40 and verse 9, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips. O Lord, thou knowest, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Folks, when, as we reach out to people, uh, you know, for their salvation. We don't tell them of our righteousness. We don't tell them that they can work their way in righteousness to heaven. We point them to the righteousness of Jesus Christ for their salvation. And it's a present tense possession. In Psalm 62, look with me there, Psalm 62 and uh, verse 5. Here again, a Psalm of David. He says, My soul wait thou only upon God. For my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I, defense, I shall not be moved. 
And God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Seal it. But He says, God is my salvation. Is. We're talking about present tense possession, not something that we're looking forward to. You know, the, what we're looking forward to now is the Lord coming to take us away. But if He doesn't come in this lifetime, in our lifetime, to take us away, when we die, we're going to be with the Lord. And nothing can change that. And what a blessing that that is the case, that it is a present tense uh, possession in Isaiah 12 and 1. Isaiah 12 and 1. <clears throat> the Bible says, In that, that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Thou, uh, though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall uh, ye draw waters, water out of the wells of salvation. What a blessing that we can praise the Lord over the salvation we presently have. Amen. Not that which is to come, but that which was, we presently have. Amen. In Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, and beginning in verse 25, Luke 2 and 25. <clears throat> the Bible says, and this is when the Lord, or when Mary and Joseph have taken Christ into the temple to offer a certain sacrifice according to the law. And in verse 25, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same was just, the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And, the, and he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when he, the parents brought him in the child Jesus, to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. What a blessing. Here was a man saved by the grace of God already. He had been one of those many Jews that had uh, observed the sacrifices and seen Christ in them and was looking forward to his first coming as the Savior of the world. They understood that, hey, listen, Christ is coming. And when the Lord directed him to the temple and directed him to the baby Jesus, he took him up in his arm. He says, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. It was something he already had, and there he saw the very person who would be the salvation of not only Israel, uh, but all men. In Luke 19, Luke 19 <clears throat> and 1, Luke 19 and 1. And as Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today I must abide at thy house. 
And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. I mean, what, a, what a picture of salvation. He didn't reject Christ, but rather received Christ and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that, that uh, he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Well, why not? He came to seek and to save that which lost, as he says here. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto him, Lord, behold, uh, he said, Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if, ta if I have taken anything uh, uh, from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he is also the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. But the important thing is verse, verse 9, This day is salvation come to this house. That man received Christ joyfully that day. And they said, this day is salvation. Come to this house. The moment you trust Jesus Christ, the Bible would say, and God would say, this day is salvation. Come to this person. Amen. And regardless of what else is going on in your life, if you're saved by the grace of God, even the trials and the difficulties, even those who would seek to destroy you, cannot take your salvation from you. Amen? You know, the world is a crazy place, but thanks be to God, there's something that is constant and firm. In Romans chapter 10, again, looking at verse 8, Romans 10 and 8, But what saith that the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich in all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In that moment, at that instant, salvation has come to you personally. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Beginning in verse 9. <clears throat> now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. You know, folks, God has a goal and if you will, helping us to see that we're sinners in need of a Savior and that the goodness of God will lead us to repentance, to lead us to a place where we realize, you know what, I am a sinner, I am wrong, I've, I've sinned against a holy God, and we cry out to God and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What is comprehended in those words in Luke chapter 18 is the spirit of repentance, the heart of repentance and salvation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1, We then as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. In the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You know, now when any, you know what folks, when any sinner hears the gospel of Jesus Christ, and cries out to God in the spirit of repentance and faith in Him, that is the day of their salvation. And you know what's funny? Because he says that you receive not the grace of God in vain. There are some that hear of the grace of God, 
but they receive it here, not here. And there's a difference. And I'm not just talking about the pump in your chest. Amen. The heart of what you really want and what you really believe. You know, you can believe facts here, but we have to believe with our heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Salvation is a heart work. God is trying to reach our heart. He wants us to honestly, from our heart, trust Him and Him alone for salvation. There is that day of salvation in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, you say, preacher, what are you doing? Just preaching the gospel? Amen. But we're all saved, are we? Are we? The Lord knows. Hebrews 2 and 1, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest, any, lest at any time we let them slip, should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? If we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders and diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his will. How shall we escape if we can neglect so great salvation? Now, you know what? For those of us who are saved, look back with me to 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1 and verse 9. receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Folks, you know what? If we're saved, we have received, if you will, <clears throat> we have received the end of our faith. The goal of faith in Jesus Christ is the salvation of your soul. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. The question I want to ask you tonight is, are you saved? Are you truly saved by the grace of God? Do you know if you were to die right now that you would be with the Lord? Do you have that present tense possession of salvation? We're not talking about the uh, you're going to heaven. We're talking about the fact that you believe with all your heart, you've trusted Christ by grace through faith in Him. The end of your faith the goal of your faith in Jesus Christ is the genuine salvation of your souls. Are you saved? I don't know the hearts of all men. You know, can you imagine someone like Judas living among the other apostles and they didn't have a clue? They didn't have a clue that he was a devil, but the Lord did. The Lord knows them that are his. Are you saved? How shall you escape if you neglect so great salvation? You know, I want to believe with all my heart that everyone in this room is saved. But what if I'm wrong? And what if you're wrong? You don't want to get this wrong. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message 
or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com. Thank you.